All right, all right, come on now. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord? They make some noise, excited to be here. Man, happy new year. In fact, look at the person beside say, happy new year. Go and tell them a happy new year. Hopefully it has been a good year. You're only about six days or so into it, right? So hopefully it has been good. We also wanna welcome everybody at our Ashland campus. We are one church in two locations. Can we get it for our Ashland campus right now? Come on, we love you guys are in Boy County. I mean, what God is doing is just unbelievable in our region. So hopefully you had some time to rest after the holidays. I know it's been really good for me and my family. Had some time just to hang out and rest. In fact, this week I chased down the UPS driver. I said, dude, are you okay, man? Everything all right? He said, yeah, man, what's wrong? I said, you haven't been to my house in the last two days. You know, like, are you okay? Just wanna make sure. I'm just kidding, I didn't chase him down. That'd be weird. But anyway, I, this is how it's been. You know, like no mail, no boxes from Amazon or Costco. Like everything's has been good. And so uh, hopefully you had time to to rest with you and your family. It's been a great year so far. We're kicking off a brand new series today, and we're gonna be asking this question over the next few weeks. So I just want you to know, if you're gonna be traveling or you're gonna be out, or for some reason, this is the time here in Kentucky, right, that it begins to snow, and a little bit of snow gets on the ground, and you wanna know if we're gonna have church or not have church, we're always gonna be online some form or fashion, and so just hang tight, go to our social media, we'll keep you up to date what's going on, but if you're, if you're gonna be traveling or you can't be, or you wanna be part of this series, because we're gonna be asking the question, what is the church? Like literally, what is it? What do you mean when we say the church? We have so many different backgrounds here. Some of you, you were raised in church like my wife, like my wife, the moment she was born, I think the very next day she was in the church building. Like, I mean, she was like day one in the church. For me, I wasn't a Christian until I was a junior in college, and so it was like when I was 20 year old, then I start church. So I didn't have an upbringing of church. I wasn't indoctrinated a certain way. I don't know what it's like to sit through born sermons. I don't know what it's like to go to a place, you know, all this. Like, I had no idea as a kid what you guys have went through for those of you who was raised in church. However, we all have our preconceived ideas. We tell people, we invite people to church, we call this a church building. We say we're going to church. Like really, truly, what is this word church and what did Jesus mean when he said, I will build my church? Because all of us have a preconceived idea when we hear the word church. Like for instance, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word church? Last night, we're sitting around having dinner with my family and my wife, that's one of our you know, big things, we wanna have dinner as a family. And so I went around and I said, I wanna know what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word church. And of course, you know, this is the pastor family and church, you know, they're very churchy people and they went, worshiping God. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? They, they give that like, you know, you know, preaching God's word. My little eight-year-old, I asked her, I said, when you hear the word church, what do you think of? She says, daddy, because daddy preaches. I'm like, okay, see, she's honest, you know, she's talking about it. And I was like, for me, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is Sunday. Sundays come fast, y'all know that. <laughs> I mean, Sundays come really fast when it comes to church and preparing messages and then doing everything that we do to serve the body of Christ. I said, honestly, Sunday comes to mind, 11 o'clock. These are like things that have been put in your mind. When you hear the word church, if you're walking down the aisle at Kroger and you hear someone say church, you all may think, I have a place, it's a physical location, at this time, on this day, this is when we meet. That's typically what may pop into your mind. For some of you, it might have been steeple. You do not know how many people have ripped us because we don't have a steeple in our building. <laughs> Emails, where's the church steeple? I'm like, uh, I don't know, you know, I have no idea. We, didn't, we missed that one, you know, the architect. Maybe we'll, we'll blame the architect. For some of you, think of buildings, right? I mean, think about when you're a kid, right? Right, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door, here's all the people, come on. Did anybody ever do that? Come on, if you've started that before, raise your hand. 
Like, that is wrong theology, really, at the end of the day. It's like, here's the people, here's the church. There's a building they meet in, and I have no idea what the steeple's for, okay? Like, that's really how, how that should go. Maybe you think of a building. Maybe you think of worship. Maybe you think of hypocrite. Maybe the first thing that comes to your mind when someone says church, you're like, hypocrites, just a bunch of hypocrites. They say one thing, and they act a different way. Maybe you think of worship. Maybe you think of music. Maybe you think of preaching. Maybe Sunday morning, maybe that's what comes to your mind. Maybe boring. Like when I think of church, I think of boring services that you have to endure for an hour. Like this is so boring. Maybe you think of judgmental. Maybe you think the church, all they do is judge people. Bigots, they just judge people, judge people, judge people. So when I think of church, I think of something that's outdated, something that's not relevant, something that I don't need. Maybe you think of a service, an event that you come to, or maybe you just think it's weird. Like church is weird, like where else are you gonna go and stand and sing and then sit down? It's like a calisthenics church. Sit down, stand up, sit down, sit down. We're gonna make sure you're gonna get your exercise this year, right? I mean, maybe it's just weird. Like ever been like to a weird church? Like is this weird? I mean, not being making fun of it, it's like weird. Like right after I gave my life to Jesus, you gotta understand, never been in church before, didn't know nothing about theology, nothing about doctrine, nothing about the Bible. All I knew is I was once lost and now I've been found, I was once blind and now I can see. All I know that Jesus radically changed my life and I'd go to any church, any place, any service, you name it, I'm going because I want more of Jesus. So my buddy said, come to church with me. This was a Pentecostal church that we went to. I didn't know they last three hours, I didn't know that. No idea, I'm like, man, look, your boy hungry. <laughs> like, it's three hours long. And so listen, they, they wanted to make sure first time guests understood everything, so in the bulletin, you remember the bulletins, right? You remember the bulletins, it said the attendance that was last week, here's where we're short on the budget, you better give because we're short on the budget, and here's the hymns that we're gonna be singing, the first, second, and fourth stanza. The third stanza always gets left out, folks, come on. What's the problem with that? So anyway, and in the bulletin was an insert, a, a sheet of paper with stick men on it. I'm like, okay, this is cool. Maybe they need us to draw something. And the stick man gave illustrations what you may see happen during a church service. I kept this, man. This is amazing. Like, I, I kept, I was like, I gotta hold on to it. And so there's a stick man that had like a bubble that come out like this way and it had stuff like this. I said, if you see this, this is somebody who's speaking in tongues. And then it had another stick man with a stick man like this and a stick man was falling down. And it says, if you see this, don't be alarmed. This is someone being slayed in the spirit. I'm a new Christian, man. I have no idea what this stuff is. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. Like, man, this is the place to be. But, but weird. I'm not fake of it. I mean, it's just, I didn't, I'm a first-time guest. Weird to me, maybe for you. See, everything in your mind, you have a preconceived ideas. And I love, listen, one of my favorite things, and real quick, we'll move on, I love like church signs. If you go by church signs, and now that, and now that you're part of this, you're like, man, church signs just crack me up. I mean, they can, like watch this one right here. Like this one's a good one, watch it. It says, inflation hasn't affected the price of salvation. Come on now, like, inflation might affect your milk and bread, but not salvation, it's free. Come in and find it. Oh, I love this one, look at this one. How do we make holy water? We boil the hell out of it. Now, come on. That makes me wanna to go to that Baptist church right there. I mean, I'm pulling in the car, you know what I'm saying? That just like, as a lost person, I'm so into that. Like, that one's so good. Here's another Baptist church, look at this. Whoever stole our AC units, keep one of it's hot where you are going. Let's go. 
Let's go. Like someone literally went out there and put the, and then one of my all-time favorites, this one has to be from the South, not needed in heaven. A clock, a dock, a lock, a glock, or H&R block. Let's go. Let's go. You don't need your gun, and you ain't gonna pay no taxes when you get to heaven. Like that is the place. I'm joining that church right now. That's my people right there, you know? And you're like, that's hilarious, but that's weird. That's weird. We laugh about it because we're like church folk, but man, you're just driving around really like, man, that's hilarious, dude. This church, these people are crazy. Like, they are weird. Maybe that's your thoughts. Every thought you have about church, watch this, you either, either was taught about it or you had an experience, good or bad. Maybe you were taught correctly about it, but you had a bad experience. Or maybe you were taught wrong about it, but then you had a good experience. And so where do you find yourself? So in this series, what we're gonna do is we're gonna uncover this word church. What does it mean? Why should I have it in my life? Why did God invented it? Why am I a part of it? Do I need to be a part of it? And I hopefully through this series that God will really just open up our hearts and eyes to see the importance of the local church. Now we have a brand new series called Ecclesia. Everybody say Ecclesia, say it. See, y'all thought y'all couldn't speak Greek. That is a Greek word that we're gonna dive into in this series, and that is the name of this series. So if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew 16. This is a very familiar passage in Matthew 16. You know, if you've been in church before, I know you've heard this. If you haven't, this is gonna be very fascinating for you because this is a really, really cool passage right here. This is like the foundational passage when it comes to this word church. It is the first place in the Bible that Jesus uses this word. And so we're gonna go to the very first place that Jesus uses the word church, which is the Greek word ekklesia. I'll unpack that just in a moment. And we're gonna start here in this series. This, this whole message today, really honestly, is just foundational. This message sets up where we're going over the next few Sundays. And so we're going to Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. If you're ready to get started, say let's go. All right, here we go. It says, when Jesus came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, now this place, I'm gonna talk about it on our last Sunday in the series, this place would make like Las Vegas blush, y'all. Like this place is a, this is a, not a, this is a rated R place. We're gonna hit on that coming up here at the end of our, our series. So when Jesus took the disciples there, he asked them, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now the Son of Man is a title for the Messiah, the anointed one with Jesus that he claimed to be. So he says, who do all the people out there really say that I am? Am I like just a carpenter's kid? Who, who, who am I? And look what they answered. Some say you're John the Baptist, who's been resurrected, right? Or, or, you know, he's come back to life. He was beheaded. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, because the Old Testament prophesied that before Jesus come, Elijah would come back and preach. Some say you're Elijah, man. You're one of the prophets. Others say you're Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Some others say you're some other prophet. And then he looked at them and said this, and this is a question, we'll get to this in the series, but this is one that you will have to answer. On this side of eternity, you have to answer this question. Every single person on the planet will have to answer this question. But who do you say that I am? Everyone has an opinion about Jesus, everyone does. Every religion has an opinion about Jesus. Some religions even incorporate Jesus into their, into their, their religion. So do you have to make this statement? Who, does, who is Jesus? Was he a good man? We know he was real. We know that he lived. We know that he died by crucifixion. All outside the Bible, we all know historians have talked about that. But what sets us apart is that we believe he got up out of the grave. 
We believe that he's alive. So you will have to answer that question someday in your life. Who do you say that Jesus is? And Simon Peter, he's the one who always just spoke up all the time and he's the one who didn't care. He's the one who spoke first, thought second. He didn't care, he just blurted out. Here's what he said. You are the Christ, which literally means you're the anointed one. You're the ones that the Old Testament has prophesied, the one to come. You are the Messiah, you are, look at this, the son of the living God. You don't understand that statement right there in the first century, a Jewish boy and a Jewish culture who says, I know who the one God son is and he's right here in front of me. That is as unbelievable if we lived in that context. And Jesus answered him and said this, you're blessed. You're blessed. You see, you never thought about that, have you? If you've given your life to Jesus, if you've repented of your sins and put your faith and trust in him, Jesus says, you are blessed. Even if you might not feel blessed, he said, you're blessed, Simon, son of Jonah. And this is why, because the flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. No one persuaded you Listen to me, it is not my job to persuade you to believe because I can't do that. I can't save you. I can't even save myself. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died for me and died for you. Your eyes have to be open. The scales have to fall off. And he says, you're blessed because flesh and blood, no preacher, nobody revealed it. If I can talk you into following Jesus, someone can talk you out of following Jesus. But when you meet Jesus, you'll never be the same. If you say you believe in Jesus and your life has never been changed, you don't believe in Jesus. It's a difference. And then he says in verse 18, I tell you that you are Peter, the Greek word here for Peter is Petros. It's his name, which means pebble. Peter means a small stone, a pebble. And then Jesus has a word play here. He says, I tell you, you are Petros, and on this Petra, two different things here. He said, I say you are a little pebble, pebble, but on this rock, on this stone, and historians and scholars have debated for centuries what did Jesus mean when he says, on this rock? I'm gonna talk about this later, but just to whet your appetite. Some people believe that Jesus is on the rock of your confession that I am, that's what I build on. Some believe on the rock that I'm standing, we'll talk about that later in our series, the rock where Jesus was standing when he made this confession. Some believe that he says, Peter, I'm gonna build my church on you, and this is where the Roman Catholics believe that Peter became the first pope and that a person has the power to unloose in heaven and unbind in heaven on earth, that I have the power to get your family members out of purgatory, which there is no such thing as purgatory, and they believe this is where the first pope begins, where there's a bishop who rules all God's church because on that person, Peter, I will build my church and then there'll be another person and another person and another person. This, this verse right here has so much church history. It's unbelievable. In one verse, in two words, on this pebble you are, but on this rock I will build. And historians have debated for centuries what did Jesus mean when he said that? We'll take a look in that. But there's only five words I wanna focus on in the next 14 minutes, and that's this. Jesus says, I will build 
my church. The first place in the Bible where the word church in an English translation will show up. What did Jesus say when he says, I will build my church, and watch this, and then the gates of hell, your translation may say, but in the gates of Hades, which is really the place of the dead, watch this, will not overpower it. I'm gonna explain that. I'm gonna talk about that in our last Sunday in this series. What did he mean on the gates of hell will not prevail against it? That's not what I'm gonna focus on. I wanna focus on these five words. I will build my church. The first thing I want you to notice is this, I. This is Jesus. He says, I will build my church. I'm the one gonna do it. I'm the one that's gonna architect. I'm the one that's gonna design it. I'm the one that's gonna let the people in. I'm the one who's gonna listen from here on out. I am going to do this. Ephesians 1.22 says this, and God put all things under Christ's feet, which means this, everything is subjected to Christ, everything. Everything has to submit to Jesus. Even the devil submits to Jesus. Even though the Bible is very clear that the devil is the prince of this world, he has limited authority, limited power, but he is on a leash. He cannot do anything without Jesus' permission. The reality is though, Jesus gives him permission. He has submitted everything under his feet, and watch this, and he gave him the church as the head of over all things. This is it. Jesus is the head of the body. He's the head of the church. And he says, I will be the one who builds for centuries and generations to come the church of the living God. Second thing he says is will. I will. Now that is all future tense. That is future tense. Why did he say I will? Because the church is not birthed until after the resurrection. He says, I will, watch this, build my church. You know what happened, right? On Acts chapter two, Peter, and some people believe that this is what Jesus was referring to. Peter preached the gospel message, and when he preached the gospel message, 3,000 people were saved and baptized in one day, which was the birth of the church. And some would say that statement says, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. When you preach, it will birth the church in Acts chapter two. Now, we didn't see 3,000 people baptized last week, but we saw 21 people baptized last week. Come on, is that not amazing? That is amazing. He says, I will, and what he means, when Jesus says, I will, ain't nothing gonna stop him. There's nothing can stop him. He says, I will, definite, build my church. This, the third word, look what he says, is I will build it. Here's the question, how does Jesus build a church? When the church is not a building, it's not a place. How does he, how is he gonna build his church? How does he do that? Well, when we begin to look into this passage, he says, he says in verse 17, look what he says. Jesus says, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, which means this, he builds his church with divine revelation. He opens the eyes of the blind. I can't do that for you. I can't woo you, I can't convince you, I can't open your eyes for you. Some people come and they'll sit, if your arms are crossed, I don't, I'm not picking on you, and you sit back like none's gonna speak to me, and no, I just had to come because my wife made me come, my, my mom made me come, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, and all of a sudden, something is said and your heart is pricked, you're like, wait, what? 
When you were invited to a camp and a, and a revival, a Sunday school, something in your life you were invited to and someone preached the gospel and your heart was open, your eyes were open and something within you said, I need this man named Jesus. It wasn't the preacher. It wasn't the music. It was God opening the eyes of your heart. The church is built when it initiates, when Jesus opens your eyes. How does he do that? How does he do that? In John chapter six, verse 44, it says this, no one can come to me unless the Father who sends me draws me to him. The Father draws you, woos you by the Spirit to Jesus. How does the Father in heaven draw men and women to himself? You know how he does it? Through the gospel, by preaching the good news that Jesus came, he died, and he got up out of the grave. Whosoever would believe in him will not die but have everlasting life. He calls people by the gospel. That's why as long as I'm your pastor, you will never, ever, ever come to an experience or a service here without the gospel being preached. It's the only thing that can save you. And something knocked on your heart and you realize, you know what, I am a sinner. I've messed up. I'm not as bad as him or bad as her. I'm pretty bad, but not that bad. But I still need somebody. Who is this Jesus? How did that happen? It's because the gospel was preached and wherever they go, how in the world are they gonna hear unless someone goes? And how will they know unless someone tells them about Jesus? That's why we have the greatest commission on the planet to go into all people groups into the world, to kaleo, to preach and teach the gospel, to call men and women to Jesus, because that's how he saves people. That's how he saves people. So he will build his church with divine revelation when people's eyes are open and receive him. Watch this, he adopts them into the family of God. And that happens when we are faithful and sharing the good news with the people around us. That's why it's important to always be sharing the good news. Because let me tell you what, for Jesus to cancel out hell for you for all eternity, that's not just good news, that's shouting news. That he did that for you and he did that for me. And then he says this, Ma, I will build my church. Everything belongs to him. We just read that in Ephesians. Everything's subjected to him. And I know we say it and I understand we get it. Would you like to come to my church? Would you wanna be part of my church? But the reality is this, it's not your church. It's not my church. 16 years ago, my wife and our family, we sacrificed everything and we packed up and we moved here to plant this church. No people, no money, no facility, no budget, no building, no nothing. And thousands of people have sacrificed for you to be sitting where you are right now. Even you guys at our Ashland campus. For nine and a half years, this church was portable. That a group of people would get up at five o'clock in the morning, go get five trailers, pull them to our high school, set everything up, run two services, turn entire school into looking like Disney World for our kids, 
put it all back. Get home about three o'clock, go, man, wasn't that worth it? I'm so tired. For some of you remember, remember we had to put the mats down on the, on, the, on the gym floor and after service we had to sit there and we had to roll these mats up. Like roll them up. Man, that, that's what they need to do in hell forever. Like that's torture right there, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that was just like, I'm saying like, like I had to start trying to switch my arm because the other one's getting bigger. You know what I'm saying? You roll up and people had to take turns. It was so hard, but it was so much fun. There's been so much sacrifice. But at the end of the day, this is not my church. I didn't die for this church. Jesus did. And the reality is he doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. He wants you. And as long as God gives me breath and I want to fulfill the role and the position that God has placed me in the body, and for this time as a day, he's placed me as the senior pastor. And that will change. And someday you'll have a new pastor and someday they're gonna lead you into better and greater things. That's life because all life is is a stewardship. You manage while you have the time you have. Every local church has a cycle. There's no first century churches still available today. Churches are birth, they thrive, and then they begin to die. And there's a lot of church, local churches that need to close and then rebirth. That's okay. That's the system, that's just how life goes. We're short history here, but listen, we have not arrived. There are thousands and thousands of people that you drove by today who are your family and friends who do not know Jesus right here in our backyard. We have not arrived. We still need to move forward and be the church that God's called us to be. And then here's the last word. I will build my, Jesus is doing it. There's a, there's a mystery. A guy took me out to eat the other day and he came and visited and he's on staff at a church and he said, how in the world did y'all do this? How in the world do you have thousands of people showing up in a town of 6,000 people? How have you seen over 4,000 people saved in 15 years? How's it even possible? And you know, you don't want to do the Grammy speech, right? The, the Grammy speech, oh, the Jesus, oh, I'm talking all these bad lyrics, but I'm giving God props for the war that I got. I said, sir, I don't know. I don't know, we don't have the corner of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't love us more than he loves anybody. We're the, we're, the, we're the part of the church. We do everything we can, our very best with excellence, but at the end of the day, maybe this God's just caught us to harvest. Some people planted, some people watered it, and then when we came, it's time for the harvest and God gave us all. I have no idea. There is a mystery to growing a local facility and church, and, and I, I don't know. I mean, I ask myself the same thing. But this word church right here, how does it do it? It's ecclesia. It's used 114 times in the New Testament, only three times in the Gospels, and it's only found in Matthew. Three times Jesus refers to it because it was future. It begins in Acts when the Spirit comes and the church is birthed. But here's what the word ecclesia means. They wrote in the English church, and church has changed throughout the centuries. I'll talk about this when I have a little bit more time. But the church became this place of a location of a building and people said that's the place you go to worship, that's the place of church. 
And our mindsets is there is a local place, it's a building, a facility, it's an event. When really it's an assembly, it's a congregation. It's made up of two words, it means out to call. Ecclesia means the called out ones. If you've given your life to Jesus and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, watch this. You are now part of the assembly, the congregation, the family of God because you have been called out of this world into his family. Now he left you in this world, we'll talk about that down the road. But you have been called out, you've been kaleoed, you've been called by name to be part of the out of the called ones that's called the assembly, which we call a church. So when you think about it, you have been called out by God for a purpose. Yes, we are part of the big C church where every tribe, every people group, every language who has repented of their sins and put their faith and trust in Jesus, you're part of the family of God, every single one of us who've done that. But the Bible is very clear. There is a local gathering assembly of believers all through the scriptures. The Apostle Paul wrote to the congregations that are huddled up in homes and Philippi writes this. He's writing to the people, not a building, not a location, it's the people. And if you say that you believe in Jesus and you're a follower of Jesus, and watch this, and you say you have no need for the local church, the local called out ones, the assembly, the congregation. If you say, I love Jesus, I follow Jesus, but I do not have to be part of a local, listen, you need to check yourself. Because there are commands in the scriptures that you cannot do by yourself. And the moment you begin to isolate yourself, the enemy will assassinate you. You need the called out ones in your life. The scripture is very clear on that. Now, I know some of you have had bad experience in churches. You don't want to go to their stuff. And listen, when it comes to denominations, all denominations are man-made. When you get to heaven, there's not going to be a group for the Baptists or a group for the Episcopalians or a group for the Lutherans. There's not going to be any of that whatsoever. Listen, denominations are all man-made. How you get part of the family of God, you repent of your sin, you put your faith and trust in Jesus, and if you will believe, you will be saved. Welcome to the family. We're messed up. There's no family that's not messed up. It's messy, life's messy, people are messy. But Jesus would look through our messiness and turn our mess into a message for him to get all the glory. And so really, if you really wanna call out and look at this, I would say a local assembly of people who know Jesus, who have been baptized, who are believers, who meet together to glorify God by worshiping Him, by teaching His Word with instructions, by fellowshipping with one another, and by serving one another. Do you know all the one another's in the Bible? Love one another, serve one another, pray for one another. They're all commands given to the congregation to do. And without this local assembly in your life, you can't fulfill those commands. Jesus said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build my congregation. And it ain't gonna be a building. It's not gonna be a steeple. I'm gonna build my people. And I'm gonna draw them with the gospel. So here's my invitation, two of them. One, 
Are you going to choose to be part of the Big C Church by repenting of your sins and putting your faith in Jesus? And here's what's so crazy about that. You could do that right now. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can do that right now and watch this and be part of the Big C Church where you have now brothers and sisters in Christ in underground places like in China who would love to have one page of a Bible that they can read and we have seven on our bookshelves. You're part of one of the fastest growing movements of Christianity right now and you're not gonna believe it when I tell you where it's located, right in the heart of Iran. There are Iranians coming to faith in Christ faster than we've ever seen right now. And you know how it's being done? There's people who's listened, who's had visions that Jesus has appeared to them and they've changed and they've, they've, they denounced Islam and they're now putting their faith in Jesus. You are seeing hundreds of ministers and Christians in Africa right now being executed for games, sport, just like the Romans did back in the first and second century. And anytime that ever happens, God's word flourished and spread when persecution came. That's the part of the family of God you get to be part of when you repent of your sins and put your faith in him. And then here's the second one. Over this series, you need to come to a decision. Is this gonna be the local assembly that you and your family are gonna grow, use your gifts, your talents, you're not gonna come and sit and just consume and get, but you're gonna give, serving. You, this is my family that you're gonna be part of. And watch this, at the end of this series, if you realize this is not the local assembly, would you please come and talk to us? We will help you find one. That's how important it is for you to get part of a local family of God. You need to find one that you can get plugged in. And so these are decisions that you have to make. This, series, this is leading right into where we're heading in the next few Sundays. I'm telling you, you're not gonna to wanna to miss this series. I'm gonna ask you would just to bow your heads just for a moment. What has the Spirit spoke to your heart today? And whatever he says, just be obedient. Be obedient. Has he stirred something in within you and you realize, you know, I know the thoughts like, man, that's not, I'm not good enough, man. I'm just not ready to, you know, to follow you. Man, I said that all the way through high school. I said that my first two years of college. And the reality is I was ready a long time before that. I just chose not to receive it. Life is messy. And that's what I love about Jesus. He loves you right where you are and he will guide you where he wants you to be because he will build his church and he will build you up and edify you. How? Through the local congregation assembly, through the instruction and teaching and preaching of his word, through serving, through growing, through reading his scripture. He will build you. Trust him. And if that's you at both of our locations in just in a moment, your campus pastor or your host they're gonna come out and they're gonna share with you what your next steps are. We love the way to start this year off by giving your life to Jesus. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. It's new every single day. Thank you, Father, for your word, for how relevant it is. Thank you, Jesus, that you build your church. 
that God, through divine revelation, that you're the one who opens our eyes. And I beg you today to open up our eyes to see you. For if we see you, God, we will never be the same. For it's in Jesus' name I ask and we pray, amen.